Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome. This is, since you're new, I'll, I'll introduce you. To my left is Judy Francis. To my, to my right over there is Lori Brooks. Straight ahead. Hello. We have dog father Joey Volani, and just in the break room right now is Dr. Debbie working her way in to answer your questions. Do you hear me now? And uh, Robert Semro just around the corner with five things every dog owner must have. See, I have a hundred things, so I'm sure I've got those five I, covered. I was just going to say that, Judy, and you know, I moved not too long ago, <laughs> and all my story, I always wanted just one storage cabinet for all dog stuff. For all cat stuff. And I'm finding I'm really needing about six. <laughs> See, I'm trying to think of the five things that I would need. And I think like patience would be one. A no. sense of sense of humor, certainly. Money. <laughs> A big bed. Yeah, that's another thing. But uh, Robert Simro will have his list coming up in just a few minutes. We're also going to have a guest on today, a young lady who's suffered from bulimia. This is one of those eating disorders. I have an eating disorder. I eat everything, lots of it, and I'm hungry all the time. But she had bulimia, which is pretty serious. What cured her? Dogs. Wow. She'll tell her story coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, What do you got coming up, Lori? Well, there are tons of reasons why we should do the best thing for our pet. But apparently... People who have pet goldfish are dumping them in rivers and lakes. Oh, I've heard that's a no-no. And it's, yeah, it is. And there are many big problems that result, and we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Uh, it is Labor Day weekend, so hopefully you're out and about and enjoying yourself with your pets along with Animal Radio. I know Joey Volani is, you're looking good for uh, Labor Day weekend. Do you groom yourself, or do you have someone else groom I'm, you? I'm, I'm all, um, no, I have someone else groom me. Oh, okay. Yes, I don't, I don't, I don't groom myself. We're going to talk about how nutrition could actually affect your dog's coat or cat from matting and and shedding and, you know, all, all that good stuff. You mean like what they eat can make a big difference for their coat? Completely. We, we get dogs in that have so many skin issues and, you know, problems, and a lot of them are food allergies, but they're feeding them kibbles and bits. Yep. Well, listen, you know, some pets, it's, it's genetics are fine, they, and they could do fine on it. Because you'll have people out there saying, my dog eats kibbles and bits, or my cat eats kibbles and bits, and, and everything is just fine. And, you know, it's, it's like people. I mean, genetics, but eventually that runs out. And all of a sudden you right. get a dog that has a bad coat and rotten teeth and bad skin and broken nails. It just bothers me that people don't make the connection. Okay, that's with Joey Volani in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Emily. Hi. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing okay. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm looking down our <laughs> list of radio stations here. I don't see anything in Wisconsin. How are you listening? Actually, um, I heard your radio actually on a podcast. Oh, okay. And so how can we help you? I have Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani here for you. Yes, okay. Well, I have a kitten. Well, she's not a kitten. She's my kitten. A cat who's eight years old. And um, we rescued her from the animal shelter when she was a kitten. And um, I call her Money Bags because by the time she was a year old, she cost me $1,000. <laughs> oh. But I love her. So we loved, it, loved the life out of her. So, but anyway, about two years ago, she was diagnosed with um, irritable bowel. And it took a lot to figure all this out. Hence, Money Bags. So, okay. um, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, she um, was, can I say the name of the cat food, the brand name? Sure. 
Sure. Okay. So they put her on the Royal Canin GI response cat food, and then she was still having some the loose stools and um, mucusy stools and whatnot. So then they um, put her on on the prednisolone, and she was on 0.4 mils every other day, and that cleared everything up. Things started forming up, and life was good again. Um, Okay. Now, though, it seems like um, she's having the exact opposite problem. I would say about three weeks ago, I noticed that she was not having a bowel movement every day, and when she did have them, they were just round, dark little marbles. Mm, okay. And so I did take her to the vet, and um, he was able to feel her belly, and he could feel some hard stool in her um, bowel. And um, so he's like, you know, she's a good drinker, but he suggested, let's try some wet cat food. And so that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just using the regular fish friskies because that's what she enjoys. She's having bowel movements daily now, but they're still not normal. They're just real hard and round. And so mm-hmm. I guess my question to you, I don't know where to go from here. I mean, is the fiber response cat food uh, really necessary, or do you think I could gradually um, get her back to um, just the regular, what she was doing before all this happened? She was just on the Perino one, you know, cat food without all the dyes and whatnot. Um, do you think I can okay. go back to a regular cat food? I'm just thinking that the fiber is just too much for her. Okay. Did we get a biopsy to diagnose this? No. So they did a testing by, like, blood and x-rays, that kind of steps? Uh, yeah, we tested a lot of blood. We tested a lot of poo. <laughs> we did antibiotics, prebiotics, um, okay. a lot pancreatic enzymes. So, yeah, there was no actual biopsy. It was just okay. they tried a lot of different things. Okay, because that's an important thing when we, we talk about what treatment methods we're going to use is to really confirm that we have inflammatory bowel disease, that can only be done by an intestinal biopsy. So Uh we're presuming we have inflammatory bowel disease based on symptoms and response to therapy. So um, sometimes I'll go back and say, okay, you know, if the symptoms are changing, um, let's make sure we aren't missing something else. And with a cat with constipation, um, especially if she's been prone to diarrhea, I do like to make sure we don't have some major changes. And a couple things that can contribute to constipation in any cat, regardless of inflammatory bowel disease, um, is arthritis. And it can also be things that dehydrate uh, a cat. So uh, low-grade kidney disease, um, things like diabetes, dehydration. So those things are important. So if they haven't recently done some general blood work and x-rays of the lower back area, I do like to do that because sometimes we'll be surprised and find a kitty that needs to be on some pain medication for arthritis. And that can be something that will stop them from posturing to defecate in a normal time fashion and a normal manner. So that's one thing to look at. Um, But also just to make sure, like I said, that we don't have any condition that's contributing towards dehydration because the colon is where all of the the body's uh, hydration is really can be. Um, sucked away. So if we have slow colon transit, it means we're sucking more water back from the stool and it's going to hence make it harder to pass those dry stools. So that's something to just, I would encourage you to make sure you've evaluated with your veterinarian as closely as we can. Um, 
So, um, as far as diet, you know, there are, I do feel that there are a lot of cats that control better with a um, low protein, or I'm sorry, a, um, a hydrolyzed diet, like a hypoallergenic diet. There are some that do better with um, low fiber diets or high fiber diets. It really depends on the cat. Um, but I will tell you that it's unlikely that a general food over the counter is going to be a good choice for a cat with inflammatory bowel disease because we need to have some kind of steps to help to control that inflammation in the intestinal tract. And that's what those diets are geared towards. So the limited ingredient diets like kangaroo-based diets or the rabbit-based diets, those are ones that are limited ingredients. So we're trying to limit the antigens that are stimulating um, the digestive tract, whereas those that are low-fat are kind of different approach. Um, So that might be something is trying a different approach with that. Should I just continue to with the prednisolone um, every other day, even with... The other diet? I, I certainly would because if we're taking away the effect of prednisone while you're making a diet switch, we're going to potentially lose control. And, and I'd hate to take away the medication that's helping to decrease the inflammation even more. So, yeah. Now, it may be an argument if, um, you know, most cats have inflammatory bowel disease symptoms that are related to the small intestine. But there is a small percentage of cats, about 25%, that actually can have symptoms related to the colon. And when that happens, we see constipation. So it could, this could all be her disease just affecting a different aspect of her digestive tract. So that's why I don't want you to, you know, stop your medicine or, or change the diet and, and really work with your veterinarian to make some of these decisions. I can give you guidelines and recommendations, um, but, but, you know, I can't see your pet, so I can't tell you exactly, you know, where you should be going. Um, but one thing I one thing I do like to do for helping to make those stools temporarily softer while we're trying to d- treat the underlying problem is to use Miralax. And for cats, I find it the most effective, um, least offensive uh, uh, laxative that we can give them. And for average kitty, I start at maybe a quarter teaspoon with their food twice a day. And it's easiest if we give it in a canned food because it just dissolves when it hits moisture. And it's tasteless, um, but there are some pet owners that um, will add it to dry food, and I do it like shake and bake in a little uh, Ziploc bag, and it kind of sticks to the dry food fairly well. But that might be one thing I would try in the meantime, and then uh, you know really make sure that we're not missing anything down there, because the worst thing that can happen is chronic constipation in cats will cause permanent damage. So, And that's another argument why an x-ray is important, because we don't want to get to the point where we're getting so distended that it damages the nerves, because then you'll never get control of it. So I would try a little bit of some vet work and a little bit of some uh, laxative there. So it sounds like money bags need just a little more money spent for the x-ray and, uh, of course, the Miralax there. Let us know yeah, how this turns out. put her to work. Yes, you really should. Yeah. Let us know how well, it turns out. Yeah, you know, I think Judy spent like $6,000 on her dog for legs, and we, yeah. we spent a tremendous amount of money on our animals because we love them. We're just a little bit crazy about them. They make a big difference. They're family members to us, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think my vets or the techs at the vet office think I'm crazy because I'm so obsessed with my cat's bowel habits. But <laughs> oh, no. oh, yeah. I appreciate but your call today. Emily, call us back. Let us know if you have any other questions, and thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Well, don't you know this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by HarperCollins? And from Harper via books comes Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole by Hans Olaf Thiebold. It's a funny and touching tale of aging, friendship, and life. Narrated by a gruff yet fiercely loving dog named Tayson that proves sometimes a dog's story is the most human of all. 
Good Dogs Don't Make It to the South Pole is available wherever books are sold. And thank you, Harper Collins, for underwriting Animal Radio. Let's give away a copy right now. Call us using the Animal Radio iPhone or Android app. Just another great reason to have downloaded this free app. Or you can send an email to yourvoiceatanimalradio.com. We'll select one winner right now. Good luck. Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow if you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All-American Dish right now. 800-380-4452 That's 800-380-4452 You're listening to Animal Radio Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Oh, it's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. If you're a little bit crazy about your animals. Well, you found the right place and the right uh, right station, the right show. We're all just a little bit loony about our pets. We definitely spoil them and treat them like they're family members. In fact, I treat my pets but, but better than family we members. We think we're normal, right? We do think we're normal. <laughs> And, yeah, but anybody looking in from the outside would probably say, "Hey, you know, you know, they love their pets a lot, maybe too much." But I, I think that's okay because you know, thirty years ago, the dog was in the backyard in a doghouse, and now they're in bed with us, hogging the bed, and oftentimes uh, we sleep in weird, awkward positions so that they're comfortable. You know, and I do a lot of pet sitting, and people are going to say, I know this is strange, but this is the way I feed my animal. It's like, you know what? Nothing is strange, because everybody has a way that they spoil their pets. Oh, absolutely. I've heard it all. Yeah, I'm just going to let you ruminate on that for a second and think about how you spoil your pets. I will tell you, in just a few minutes, Robert Simro with five things every dog owner must have. Ooh, I love lists like that. I do love lists. just starting to scratch my head going, hmm, what could that what be? Is yes. I have everything plus, so I'm sure I've got that list covered. Well, we'll see. Okay. I bet you don't. I bet you don't. <laughs> you never know. And then also in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a young lady who suffered from bulimia, which is one of the worst eating disorders. You know, anorexia, bulimia, they, they top a list of diseases and disorders that can actually kill you. And from what I understand, and we'll ask her, she would throw up 20 times a day. Wow. So that can't be good for you. What saved her? Well, a dog saved her. In fact, several dogs saved her. And we'll find out her story in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. So you want to stick around for that, especially if you have an eating disorder or any disorder because, you know, animals can be so helpful. Yeah, you know, it's you could be addicted to drugs or suffer from depression just 
Many things animals are very helpful. And oftentimes we help them. Yes, Dr. And, Debbie. And I, I think a lot of times, especially say like, you know, a child that's having, say, a disability, they see an animal with a disability and it does help empower them and see the animal kind of dealing with some of the same struggles. And I think that gives them that kindred bond. So I, I'm wondering about the uh, the lady with bulimia. Well, you know. A, a I, dog with a digestive problem would help heal her and... and uh, Want to make that animal well. I think actually she might have a dog with a digestive problem story. So we'll ask her about that. I got to say that, uh, you know, animals not only can help us, but we can help them. And oftentimes at the same time. So, but uh, this is old news to us, but it may be new news to you. Uh, Speaking of news, Lori Brooks, what do you have coming up? Well, there's uh, some new research out. They did some experiments to find out, does your dog really love you? Or does he just want that treat that's in your hand? <laughs> uh, Think about it. I mean, don't I've wondered. Well, you know. We so, were... so scientists set up some situations where the dogs had to choose that treat or the owner. You're not going to tell me that they don't give us unconditional love, that it is I, conditional. I'm not t- I will tell you, but not right now, Hal. Okay, that's on the way. Stick around for that. I saw this truck driving around, this big yellow truck with ears cat ears and i said what is this this apparently is the caddy wagon and we have amy gilbreth joining us she's the found animals executive director and it's i guess she's the brainchild behind this hi amy how are you doing hello i'm fantastic how are you very good i think we had you on in 2011 and you had like a calendar which was uh, guys with six packs and they, they were holding cats, and you were raising money for your organization. Is that correct? Yes. So the official title of the calendar was Six Packs, Nine Lives. Yes, but I remember. We, uh, we internally refer to it as Hot Men with Cats. Yeah. How could I, I remember it? I, I, have, I think I still have a copy of it, even though the, the dates are bad. Well, you guys certainly think out of the box. What is this uh, caddy wagon that looks like a cat? What's that all about? That is all about cats and getting cats adopted in many places uh, in the country. Cats still need more help in animal shelters than dogs. And so we were looking for a new way to take cat and kitten adoption to the people. Right now it's kitten season, and so we do a a foster program, and then we have this bumper crop of kittens that need to be adopted. And food trucks are hot, and kittens are amazing. And so we just kind of thought, well, what if we created a food truck-style mobile adoption vehicle to take cats and kittens out in the community and the caddy wagon was born my question is when people are want to adopt a kitten they're ready they go to a shelter does this create any kind of impulse adoption where they see you and they see a cat and they're, they're not ready but they just they want it well we say that the kittens sell themselves and that's true and that's true whether we're at a stationary location or on the mobile unit but regardless of where we're at we do a full adoption counseling process with everyone so we ask a lot of questions and uh, we want to make sure that you are ready for a cat and that we know how we can support you in integrating that cat into your household so the adoption counseling is no different on the caddy wagon than it is at our stationary location the caddy wagon which uh, i wish i could i'll hold a picture up to the microphone (laughs) so that people can see what it looks like and it has ears on top which is absolutely adorable is it the only one it's the only one we know of that is a mobile adoption vehicle that is devoted to cats and shaped like a cat of course there are other mobile adoption trucks out there but i've not yet seen one that's painted to look like a giant orange tabby cat complete with (laughs) ears 
and the tail, I might add. It definitely catches your attention. Yeah, people have loved it. And it's got two flaps that swing open. So it's got a flap on the side and a flap on the back. So kind of like where you would walk up to order from a food truck. Um, and that's where the cat kennels are. There's meet and greet areas inside. So you can sit and play with the cat that you're thinking about adopting. How can uh, people tell where it's going to be? Do you have a schedule up on the website? We do. So if you go to cattywagon.org, you can find out all about it. You can see some photos and a video and you can see our upcoming schedule. Okay, well, I encourage listeners to check out caddywagon.org. And thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Renegade goldfish have been a problem all over the world, and officials are asking you, please do not dump your pet goldfish into a lake. It can set off the eco-balance of waterways when a new fish is dumped into a lake or waterway, and it has no natural predators there, so things kind of get out of control, and then... Those goldfish begin eating plants that the natural fish who are already there need to survive. Researchers say in waterways, goldfish grow to weigh as much as four pounds. Holy it's moly. likely, yeah, that they were, you know, probably a kid's pet. And, you know, maybe the family was moving. The parents didn't want to take the aquarium, so they just dumped the goldfish into the local wetlands. But it's not a new problem or one that's unique to just Australia. It was uh, just last year the Canadian government put out a plea for pet owners to stop dumping goldfish into local waterways. Remember, goldfish are really a species of carp. And they can reach monstrous sizes in the wild. And like all carp, the domestic goldfish will grow to be as large as its resource and surroundings allow. And in the wild, goldfish are carnivorous. They're bottom feeders. And that disrupts sediment. And they say that makes it harder for the other fish to eat. Plus, a goldfish in the wild will feed on the eggs of native species. And they may also be bringing new diseases to the wildfish population. Now, believe it or not, there's more on this. Goldfish are so incredibly tenacious. One of the fish that was tracked in this new Australian study that's revealing all of this info to us traveled 142 miles in the one year that researchers followed it. So no matter where you live, no matter how sentimental you are over your unwanted pet, please do not set it free when it's time to say goodbye. Uh, You know, it's a a sad subject, and if you can't find a new home for it, the researchers who did this study say, check with the pet shop where you bought it, see if they'll take them back. And they add that if you're going to euthanize the pet, if you can't find someone else to take it, to put them in the freezer. They say that's the most humane way. Hmm. 
Isn't that tragic? That I've heard tragic. that before. Yeah. yeah. But they're like plants. You know, you put a plant in a bigger pot, it grows bigger. You mm-hmm. put a fish in a bigger lake, it grows bigger. Can That's you so eat weird. them? Mm-hmm. Can you eat them? Okay, Joey. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Can you? I don't you know. Because know. you, can, you can eat cod. Uh, shut so, off his I mic. Mean... Just shut off his mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It's a good way to get rid of them. <laughs> They, carp are, they're bottom feeders. I mean, they eat the gunge that's on the bottom, right? I mean, not lobster yeah, is But so do lobsters and crabs and everything else we like. Did, All right. Didn't I say shut off Washington. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Is it off? It's off. Oh, thanks. Uh, kidding, Joey. Washington State's insurance commissioner has fined a pet insurance company, American Pet Insurance, which goes under the name True Panion, $150,000 for violating state laws in Washington State. They say most of the violations were related to charging rates that the insurance commissioner did not approve, and that is required by law. But the violations did include a lot of failures to cancel policies in a timely manner after a pet's death, after a customer also no longer owned a pet, and when the pet owner had canceled the policy, they were apparently failing to cancel those policies. And in an experiment further investigating the relationship between humans and dogs, researchers wanted to find out if it is a true bond or is it a love of food? You know, those treats we give them. They found most dogs anticipate the praise of their owner as much, if not more, than a food reward. You remember, you know, a century ago, psychologist Ivan Pavlov had trained dogs. You know all about that, Pavlov's dogs. But now, in this new research published in the journal Social Cognitive and Effective Neuroscience, boy, that is way over my head, it uh, suggests that dogs aren't so single-minded as Pavlov thought. Now, the scientists began their experiment by training dogs to associate three different objects with three different rewards. There was a pink toy truck with food. So if the dog chose the pink toy truck, then they got food. A blue toy, which was a knight, was associated with verbal praise, and a hairbrush was associated with nothing or no reward. Now, over the course of the 32 trials they did, 13 dogs were presented with the three objects, and all dogs preferred a reward to none at all. They say four dogs showed a particularly strong response to the blue toy, which got them praise. While, eh, you probably thought this too, nine dogs the most responded equally to the two types of rewards, and only two consistently were more excited about the food reward. Now, they did a second experiment to kind of test this first one, where researchers allowed dogs to follow one or two simple mazes, one leading to the owner, the other simple maze led to a bowl of food. Owners sat with their backs turned and then praised their dog when he or she arrived. Now, the findings in the second experiment pretty much mimicked the first. Most of the dogs alternated between loving the food or loving the owner, but the dogs with the strongest brain response to praise, they chose their owners 80 to 90% of the time. Mm. And that shows the importance of social reward and the need for us to give praise to our dogs. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. 
Who's this? This is Sherry from Oregon. Hey, Sherry. How are you doing? Well, I have three little dogs, uh, two chihuahuas and a Yorkie. They're all females, and um, they get along really good for the most part, but every once in a while, they really get into it. I mean, the teeth showing and everything, and I'm just kind of wondering if I should break that up or leave them alone and let them figure out what they need to figure out. Well, it kind of depends here. So what are the squabbles over? Do you know? Usually it's a toy, um, and they have certain places on the bed where they lay. And if one of them gets in the other one's place, especially at nighttime in the middle of the night, if one of them gets in the other one's place and they go to get back in there after they've gone out and potty, then they get mad at each other like that's my spot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, should you break up fighting dogs? You know what? My opinion is I would rather them talk it out than them fight it out. So your okay. job is to actually anticipate what is going to set them off and what are the problematic areas. So it's far better to not allow it to escalate to the point where we could actually have an injury. Now, okay. if they're talking it out, they might, you know, non-verbally, they might give each other a look, there might be a little grumble, and it should cease there. So there should always be a point where dogs defer to another one. So, hey, that's your favorite spot. Okay, I got it. Um, that's your favorite toy. Okay, cool. And if they don't, then we don't want to yell at them. We don't want to scream, say, hey, stop that. Um, because that mm-hmm. can actually make their anxiety worse in those situations. But that's where you can help to try to direct their behavior. Um, so if there is a particular toy, making sure that that is separate, where we won't have a squabble over that. Um, if okay. coming in the back door means they're going to have a spot that they're going to all go running for and jump, then we control their entry and maybe separate them so that we don't mm-hmm. have those um, those squabbles. But a a lot of this also depends on you being the leader in the household and um, making sure that they understand that, hey, when mom's around, we don't have to fight because everything's all figured out. So a lot of times I find that um, dogs will tend to fight, you know, over attention for the the family members, um, you know, sitting on laps, things like that, sitting next to you. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. goes back to where you just need to make sure that each and every one of them understand that you got it, you're in charge, and the rules. They all have their space on mom's lap. It is hilarious and they don't oh. really fight over that but you know Good. people say that well i don't i'd say that when i say people that dogs can't get jealous and i believe that they can <laughs> well they they definitely have the things that, that are important to them whereas another dog might not have something that's important to them so mm-hmm. yeah so but i i would have to say that um, you know these particular things items uh, spots Um, It's really important to recognize that when this is happening, and we want to make sure we don't yell at someone who's um, doing the right thing in the right situation. So, you know, if you've got one dog that's already lying on a spot, and the other dog, it's her favorite spot, and she really wants up there, and she growls or snaps... That is not an appropriate response. So no matter whose favorite spot is, we don't want to reinforce the dog that is acting inappropriately or aggressively. So it doesn't matter whose favorite spot is. If you're growling and snapping and acting a fool, that is not appropriate, and you're not going to get what you want. Um, So then you would remove that dog out of the situation, you know, not as a form of punishment, but just as a way to... Mm -hmm diffuse the situation. So it, okay. it is a little bit dependent, and sometimes these are hard things to answer without kind of being there and seeing it because we might say, oh, well, that's Fancy's favorite spot. Don't do that. Um, right, right. 
but uh, you know, a fancy as baring teeth and snapping or growling or got her ears back. Well, it doesn't even have to be all verbal. So that's where you would need to really watch their ears, their eye motions, um, that kind of well, thing. I've before never moved they get one dog, even though it was her favorite spot, and the other dog was in it. I've never moved the dog that was in it, so that I don't do. Is that okay? To some degree, but that's again where if one dog says, "Hey, I'm uncomfortable with what you're doing," and the other dog doesn't back down or just doesn't take that cue appropriately, that's when you're going to have problems. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 12th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66, along with media sponsor Animal Radio and car sponsor Legends Car and Van Rental, with companion sponsor Zymox, advocate sponsor Brutus Bone Broth, and community sponsor Hands-On Gloves. The tour travels down America's favorite highway, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events and to raise money. In the first 11 years, the tour has helped to place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops near you and come out for a safe, fun way to support your local shelter. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Oh, I wanted to remind you, you can ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for your iPhone or Android. It's a, a free download. Not only ask your questions, uh, but listen to the show and go through some amazing resources. They've just updated the app, and if you haven't downloaded it yet, do it now. Well, we're with Dr. Marty Becker, our veterinary correspondent. He's uh, calling in on the phone today because he... I don't. Where are you today? What city are you in? I'm in New York City. New York City? New York City here of uh, on Madison Avenue. I'm so jealous. Listen, I wanted to get you on the phone because we've had a couple of calls in the last couple of weeks. People just unsure about their veterinarians. And I understand that you actually have a list of things, red flags that we should look for in our veterinarians that might make us want to look for a new veterinarian. I'm sure this will probably be a popular topic. Dr. Oz calls me America's veterinarian, but America's veterinarian wants to be clear. Not all veterinarians are created equal. And just like with any profession, there's really good ones, there's good ones, and there's ones that are not so good. Okay. So I will never say, oh, my gosh, you know, your veterinarian can't be wrong, or they, you know, I'm sure they didn't miss a diagnosis because it's just not true. And, and unfortunately, most people think their veterinarian graduated out or near the top of their class. And I want to give people some things that they can look at to know when it's time to change veterinarians. And one thing to understand, you can't tell so much of what happens in medicine you can't judge. Let's say you take your dog one place to be spayed and it took another dog to another place to be spayed and took the third dog to another place to be spayed. You have no idea what happens inside. You have no idea how long the surgery took, uh, what the, you know, what we call hemostasis, you know, how much bleeding there was, how much trauma there was to the tissues, what kind of materials they used. Uh, but there are some things that you can tell from, you know, from the outside. Was the pet trimmed uh, very neatly? So where the hair is gone, is it as neat as what we hope happens inside? Is it clean? Does it not smell? But I'll tell you some of the things that I, I, I are red flags for sure. Okay. And, and these are not in any particular order, but one is that the veterinarian does not do pain control. You know, I've just turned 60. I've been a practicing veterinarian for 35 years, and I was taught in veterinary school. So people my age, the pets did not feel pain. And if they did, it was actually good because they were less active as they were recovering. And and we now know that's absurd, that pets have the same neural pathways as humans do. And 
So if your veterinarian doesn't, if you're going in for, say, a spay or neuter or for teeth cleaning, they should have pain medication before, during, and after surgery. So if your veterinarian does not do pain control, uh, I'd look for change in a veterinarian. Okay. So make sure that they're using anesthetic or pain control with uh, with the procedures that they're yeah, doing. Yeah, like if you had, I just had somebody call me call me on the road that had a, uh, this literally just happened. Their dog was mauled by another dog. It was a little uh, Shih Tzu cross mauled by a Great Dane. And the, went to a veterinarian. The veterinarian says, oh, it's, you know, the wound's okay. And plucked a little hair out and didn't put on pain medication. Uh, this little dog was, was picked up, shook, and had puncture wounds. I mean, this dog's in, in horrible pain. And so it was vomiting, and so I had him go to another veterinarian and, and got on pain medication, and the dog's doing really well today. So that, that's a real-world example of something that just happened. Never go to a veterinarian that, that doesn't do pain control for things that you know, like you know, spay or neuter, knee surgery, dentistry, wound care. Second thing would be for dentistry. You know, I was taught that... Back then, we did ultrasonic cleaning. Well, we thought that was the very latest for, for animal dentistry. And now you need to have, go to a veterinarian that has, can take dental radiographs. They're different than the radiographs you take with a normal machine. Uh, they also want to make sure that they polish the teeth after they're done and they use sealants. So How would I know if they use sealants or if would, they use an X-ray machine? You would, want to, you would want to ask if they have a digital dental X-ray and actually ask, okay, once the teeth are cleaned, are they polished and is there a sealant? If you, if you polish, it, it, I'll tell you what happens with ultrasonic cleaner. Think of, a, think of a cobblestone road in Greenwich Village in New York. That's what the tooth surface looks like. It's pitted. And the, the, the good veterinarians will polish that so it's nice and smooth. It's like, you know, Interstate uh, 84, you know, up where I live. It's nice, smooth surface. And then the sealant helps prevent the plaque from attaching to the tooth. Mm, okay. So, so those are things you can find out. You would actually want to ask. And, um, and then the other things, it's really, uh, you know, if you take a tour of the hospital, I like to have people take a tour of the hospital. And even if you're been an existing client, ask if you can look and see where the surgeries are done, see where the animals are kept. And you want to make sure that if they're doing surgery that they have a cap, gown, and mask on. Uh, some of the inferior veterinarians will just put gloves on. They won't have a cap. They won't have a mask. They won't have a gown on. Again, it's cheaper to do it that way, but you're putting your pet's uh, health sure. at risk. And then I think, I think another thing is they never do diagnostic tests. So the veterinarian that always, well, I think it's this, or, <laughs> you know, this dog's got blank, but I don't do diagnostic tests. And I think worse yet is they don't refer. A lot of veterinarians are loath to refer because they, they want to keep the income to themselves, and also they don't want to, some don't want to be found, found wrong, that they made a misdiagnosis. But I've had a saying for 35 years, and you, you and I have been, and Hal and Judy have been friends for a decade or two. You can be accused <laughs> of missing a diagnosis. You can be accused of charging too much. You can be accused of being late for an appointment. But you can never be accused of not looking after the best interests of the pet. Yeah. Yes. And if that means that it needs a test, you're speaking for it, it needs it. If that means you refer it to somebody that has an expertise that you don't have, you refer it. If it needs a second opinion, you refer it. So... I guess to summarize it up, make sure they use pain control. Uh, when they're doing dentistry, make sure that there's the new stuff we've learned about being able to take digital dental radiographs and doing polishing and sealants. And uh, again, that, that's, a shine, that's a sign of intelligence 
of being a great vet is if you actually refer early and often. Mm, okay, we're going to put this list over at AnimalRadio.com. So if you have questions about your vet, well, look over the list and, and see if your vet's practicing the way he should or she should be practicing. Because we want the best for your animals, and you should too. And uh, just like any other business, there's always a, a crackpot in every single business, and that applies to radio disc jockeys too. <laughs> Dr. Marty Becker, thank you so much for joining us. Hang tight. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And let us not forget you. You're the most important part of this show. Yeah, you looking down at your radio, you have questions about your cat or your dog, your iguana, your flamingo. Or your monkey. I, I just saw today that they're selling monkeys in the U.S. I don't that know. That can't what, be right. I, it's apparently they're doing they this do. in, in Florida. They, really? Well, they sell them through some pet stores, yeah. And uh, I, I, I will go across. I don't cross the line, and I don't treat monkeys. Um, Which is strange because you're in Vegas, and I would think there'd be a lot, a lot of monkeys there. You know, there are, and we actually get calls all the time. But monkeys, you know, for me, anything that can give me hepatitis or give me a near human bite just kind of creeps me out. <laughs> or anything that can throw its own poop. Yeah. Uh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. And their eyes are so human-like. It just. Uh, very interesting. Well, you know, uh, I don't. I don't personally think anybody should own monkeys because they are so very human like. But uh, you know what? We don't own our animals anyway. They own us. We're just guardians. We're and slaves. Like that. I don't know if you have the five things every dog owner must have, but in just a few minutes, Robert Semro will tell us what those five things every dog owner must have. As I mentioned last hour, I think a sense of humor is one thing that that. <laughs> Pet insurance? Yeah, there you go. Pet insurance. How many of your clients actually have insurance, Dr. Debbie? You know, I think we're probably up to maybe 15%, but not really many. Um, It's still, I think a lot of folks, it's something that they have challenges budgeting for. Um, But boy, those that do have it, oh, it can pay off in so much when, especially when the payouts are at 80% or 90% of their total bill. It really makes things. So you would advocate for that? I, I do for like that major medical kind of policy. I do feel that um, I, I've seen it save animals' lives when families would have no other option available, and especially with some of the companies that actually have pre-approvals so that you can know at the moment before you tell the doctor, go ahead and do this surgery. Um, my insurance company said that they will cover X amount of this, and I have the balance I can pay for whatever that amount is. So that can be really um, very empowering to provide the level of care that you want. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I was thinking like 10 years ago, it was like unheard of to have insurance. And I got to, I'll be honest, I I don't have insurance. I don't. But I do have a savings account and I do have, uh, it's an interest bearing savings account. And if I need to, something, God forbid, cataclysmic 
illness or whatever, I think I could pretty much cover it if I needed to and probably would. But not everybody has that luxury to put anything mm-hmm. into a savings account. Of course, I eat ramen all the time. That's the only reason that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you just adopt a dog, say from a shelter or a rescue, and it's, you know, six years old, eight years old, can you still get insurance on it? Yeah, you sure can. It's just if you get insurance when they're puppies, the, the premiums are far cheaper and you get in before they have pre-existing conditions. So as you get a, a mature dog, there may be more likely that there's a pre-existing condition. So if you get a new one, you usually just, there's like a health uh, checkoff list or a statement the veterinarian does to say what's present at the time you got the dog. And uh, those things might not be covered, say, you know, if it had a eye condition or a bad hip at that point. Um, but anything from there forward would be. I, I just always figured that they would say, oh, it's a bulldog, you know. Oh, we well, bulldog just... rates, you just, you pick the yeah. most expensive. you got the Cadillac or the, it's actually more the Ferrari, I should say. So <laughs> no, it's if you're, more the Volkswagen. Is there a particular dog that is cheaper than other dogs as far as medical expenses and probably insurance? I, you know, I don't know that there's any one dog you're not going to have some potential genetic risk. There's going to be always something that each breed is prone for. But I will say that large breed dogs, um, when they do need medications, it's a lot of those are d- dosed on their weight. And you're going to find you're paying out more for medications for a large or a giant breed dog than maybe for a, um, you know, a smaller or mid-sized dog. And then there are those breeds that are just kind of money pits, like the, <laughs> the English Bulldogs, Sharpays, mm-hmm. um, where we have a lot of kind of expected things from skin to ears to respiratory problems um, that that we were going to expect. Um, but I, I can't say there's any one breed that I'd say, oh, this is going to be your best cheap bet. A good mongrel, perhaps, might be the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's. Uh, what, what's coming up in the news? What do we have coming up in the news, Lori? Well, we're going to talk about um, presidential. We can't talk about, you know, politics here. Okay. But presidential pet toys for your dog or for your cat. So, say you're a big Donald fan. If you're a uh, not a Donald fan, you can have your dog chew on one of the uh, Donald toys, right? <laughs> yes, on his fuzzy hair. Yeah, on this dog. <laughs> of course. They're just fun. I mean, it's just it's this time of year. I, I think it's appropriate. Yeah, we need a little levity with this whole uh, election thing going on. Anyway, well, hello, Angelica. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? Good. Where are you calling from? From Cambridge, Ohio. I hear it. In, I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your accent. No, no, no. My accent's from New York. Yeah. I was raised in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was raised in New York, but now I've been here about three years. Well, welcome to Animal Radio. I have the Dream Team here to answer your questions. What's going on? Okay, I have a dog. It's Mastiff, and uh, it looks like a lab. First, they said it was Mastiff and something, but it's for me, it's Mastiff and Lab. Okay, she's about. She's going to be three years old now in December. And the thing is, she's a very good dog, but whenever, like, if she knows people and they come to my house, she sits down and squats. She wants to pee. It's mm, like, I don't okay. know if it's because she's excited, but it happens all, all, all the time. You can't talk to her. You just walk in the door and you ignore her. It's okay. But if you say, like, good girl, Lulu, whatever, she starts peeing all over the house. Okay, and uh, does she? And you said she does not have accidents at other times. No, never, never. Okay. She doesn't pee. She can be all night, and she doesn't do anything inside. 
Well, Angelica, you are brilliant because you've already started the whole steps of therapy on how we address this <laughs> by not looking at her, not talking to her. So wh- what you're describing, we can have a couple different scenarios going on. Um, one would be what we call submissive urination. Um, the other is excitement urination. And the difference is the motivation, but they're very similar in how they display. Um, a submissive urination uh, behavior is a dog who is just... Um, uh, is feels lower on the totem pole and is being it's a doggy language that they're doing when they squat and they urinate wow. it's a way to say hey you're the boss it's cool everything's great <laughs> then the, then there's the other dogs that are doing it out of excitement and I kind of make that the equivalent of okay I was a kid and my grandpa liked to tickle me and I would say don't tickle me because I'm gonna pee and I was an excitement tickler peer. <laughs> so, so it's kind of the same thing. So if it's uh, mostly excitement and she's not necessarily being submissive in other ways with these individuals, I'm going to bet she's probably more excited than anything else. So, yes, the steps that we do to try to address this are to really not give her things that are going to trigger that excitement. And that may be making eye contact So we're going to not look her in the eye. It may be ignoring her for five to ten minutes. And and a dog that does this, every time you come into the house, I recommend not speaking to them and not really even recognizing them. Just going about putting your purse down, your keys down, all that, and ignoring them. And then the other thing that we really work on is um, making sure that we have the opportunity to get her outside as soon as either you get home or right before you anticipate someone's coming in. Because making sure we got an empty bladder is, you know, setting her setting her up to be successful, uh, not to have a failure there in that situation. And then, but I've done that. I've done that. She's just come from outside. She did everything she wants to do, but it doesn't matter. She could just be out when I bring her in. Anybody that pays attention to her or they just like pat her on, she gets all and she sits and she squats. You need to train your, your guests a little better, I'm going to say, <laughs> because if we, if we know what triggers it, then I would just tell people, hey, my dog is just a peer. Please don't talk to her. Don't look at her in the first few minutes and set her up to be successful. Um, let's not get upset that this is happening. We have to make steps to try to fix it and try to avoid those triggers. Now, the next step from there goes into more behavioral modification. So we want to work on teaching her how to be quiet and calm without getting all goofy. And that may be teaching her a command like the down command on a pillow um, or in a dog kennel. And you can teach a dog to do this without being locked up, you know, against their will but by telling them, go to your kennel or go to pillow and then rewarding her and doing this when people are in excitement, exciting things aren't going on. So we want to practice that and teach her, okay, you're going to get a treat when you're quiet and calm and not dancing around, wagging your tail, hip hopping in the air. And then when she repeat that skill over and over, then once we get to where there's people coming in, we can practice that, get her into a down stay before the people enter the door. Tell them, you know, hey, you know, don't ring the bell, just come on in. I'm ready. And my dog's in a down stay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, give her I, a treat. I that, but um, but I, I, I feel bad. You know, people don't. I don't want to tell everybody, like, know my dog for 10 minutes. You know, I tell my sister that, my son-in-law. I tell him, just don't look at it. Don't look at her. Just ignore yeah. her. 
and and you're right, it happens. Yeah. And the most important thing that you know we we didn't talk about is we you should never punish a dog for this behavior. Oh, no, 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 I don't. So see no, 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 we don't. Yeah, see yelling or you know getting excited and saying, "Oh, don't do that!" It gets them more anxious yeah. and it, it actually further perpetuates it. So yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks for listening, Angelica. We tr- truly appreciate it. And uh, you're listening on uh, you're listening on uh, WBPS there in Cambridge. It's one oh nine. Yes. One oh nine. Yeah, where they have all the oldies, like from yeah. my time. That's why I like it. From why our time, yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Hope to hear from you once again. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. So I got to ask you, Doctor, you said it was your mm-hmm. uncle or your dad that would tickle you and you would... I, well, my, my grandpa and my dad would grandpa. both do that, yeah. Did yeah. you Did you ever actually pee? Oh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I would, and I would say, please don't, you know, it's fun, all fun and games, but you know when it's going to get out of hand and you're going to lose control. And yeah. Have you outgrown that? Um, I, You know, I don't really test that hypothesis anymore. <laughs> I kind of like keep people, I'm very foot ticklish, so I just don't go there and let people do that. <laughs> I completely understand. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio, and I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet, and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make, and hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. Goodbye, empty calorie look-alike dog treats, and hello, yummy combs. The nutritious treat that cleans dogs' teeth between vet visits. Our novel honeycomb-shaped flosses between and around the teeth and gums, where oral disease can start. Yummy combs come in five sizes based on dog weight. Plus, they're 44% protein-rich with 12 wellness ingredients. Teach your dog a new treat. Find Yummy Combs at your local pet store or vet's office. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Well, happy Labor Day weekend to you. I hope you and your animals are out enjoying the beautiful weather we're having across most of the country right now. And you have Animal Radio with you. And in just a couple of minutes, what we've been promising you for the last couple of hours, a young lady who suffered from bulimia, a terrible, terrible eating disorder. If you don't know what that is, uh, she she would eat and then she would throw up because I guess she felt conscious about her weight. I don't well, know. I, I, I don't I know what the, the psychology they, is. They think they're fat. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, anyway. It's a horrible di- eating disorder, and apparently she she's tried just about everything. Gone to therapist. Just all kinds of rehabs, rehab, yeah. But nothing worked until she met some dogs, mm-hmm. and that changed her life. And she changed the life for those dogs. And we'll talk to her in just a couple of minutes, right here on Animal Radio. Uh, if you want to ask your questions, don't forget you can also ask from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and visit us over at animalradio.pet. I'm looking over at Lori Brooks. It's so quiet in the newsroom today. You know, it is. I, I did the, the big shuffle with, I mean, really relocating four dogs three times to find uh, the quietest mix today. Oh. <laughs> and and, and that, that's, that's Lucy down there. We miss it. What about yeah. uh, su- Sunday? 
Sunday gone? Sunday is Sunday is okay. sleeping. That's why it's so and, quiet. Uh, Sunday yeah. was the noisy one. <laughs> she was very noisy. <laughs> so what are you working on today? I think, oh, let's see. Today, pet sitters. How do you decide you want to be a pet sitter? They've done a survey on it, and we'll tell you what they said. How did you decide, Judy, you wanted to be a pet sitter? You know, I just kind of fell into it. I met an elderly neighbor who uh, had two pugs that she could no longer walk because she had back surgery, and she asked me if I would do it. So I thought, well, sure, I guess I never thought about it. And then I started doing it, and then other neighbors saw me and asked me if I'd walk their dogs, and other neighbors saw me and said, hey, you know, do you come in and feed? And I thought, God, there's just such a big need for it. Maybe this is something I should do. So it was sort of a a hobby that turned into a business for you. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't set out to be a pet sitter. I didn't sit down and say, "Okay, let let me draw up a plan. This is what I'm going to do." It just kind of happened. Wow! And I, I it's very profitable. I'm very successful at it. Yeah, it's it's working very well for me. I noticed that you used to stay here the whole day uh, producing the show, <laughs> but now you you hop out as soon as the show is over. Run and out to. Do some jobs and drive dogs around. And drive dogs around? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I, I got to get out of here after the show today and go drive a dog around. Not walk it, but drive it around. I drive Pet taxi. It. Yeah, drive it around. He can walk. Somebody pays you to drive their dog around? Yeah, and actually, and I get to drive their car, and it's out on ranches, so I go by, I see bulls, I see horses, a lot of deer, a lot of baby deer. Now, why, and, why aren't you oh, walking the dog? Cool. Well, he's, he's a big lab mix. He's close to 70, 80 pounds, and he doesn't like to go home. So the times I've gotten him out walking... He stops and lays down. Puts on the brakes. And, and I can't get him back home. Oh. And she told me before, tie him up to a tree and go go run back home and get the car. I thought, this is ridiculous. i got to run all the way back to the house, her house, get the car, drive all the way back. And I don't like leaving him tied up there alone. I'm so afraid he could back uh-huh. out of his leash. And, you know, I, I can't see him. So it really bothered me. So now I just get over there and I put him in the car and drive him around. He sticks his head out the window and he's happy <laughs> and... <laughs> We come back, and he goes right back into his, his big kennel. Wow, so. that's quite a job. I bet you see some of the strangest things. Oh, I could tell you some stories. I bet me. you could. Yeah. I bet you could. Yeah. But not now. Okay. Put it in a book. Okay. Make That'll millions. be my book. Yeah, okay. there you go. Okay, so if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, don't forget you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. So download that puppy now from the appropriate place like the Google Store. Uh, what is it? Google Play or the iTunes App Store? I don't know. There's so many things out there these days. Who can keep up? Just type in Animal Radio and you can get it. It's a free download and you can ask your questions right from the app. Plus, if there's ever a recall or news that's uh, important that you need to know, you'll get that right on the app too. Hey, you want to adopt a hardworking dog? Well, the TSA has a program. It's for dogs that didn't quite make the cut as bomb sniffers. The one I've got couldn't tell this show was a bomb. They deserve each other. Even some that are recently retired. They have German short hair pointers, Labrador retrievers, German shepherds, and Belgian Malinois. They range in age from 2 to 10 years old. All you have to do is travel to San Antonio, Texas, and you can pick your new best friend up. To find out more, email canine at ole.tsa.dhs.gov. This is Animal Radio, baby. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. 
They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn Chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A little dog in Flint, Michigan has found a new friend who is changing her life forever. Rex Miller lost a leg when he tried to jump a train when he was only 15 years old. Miller now owns the Greater Flint Prosthetic Center, where he usually makes artificial limbs for humans. Miller made Peg's new leg for free because her owner works for a non-profit organization that trains leader dogs for the blind. Peg will eventually be trained to be a service dog and will probably be working at a nursing home because she seems to be a big hit with the senior citizens. Miller said he just wants everyone to know that there's an option out there for animals as well as humans. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A man in Florida is warning pet owners about a poisonous plant after his nine-month-old puppy died from eating seeds of that plant. The puppy was a nine-month-old boxer mix, pit bull boxer mix. Her name was Zeta. She ate a seed from a sago palm. That's right, just a seed. Now, many seeds and nuts can be, you know, Plants, too, of course, can be poisonous to dogs, and the seeds from the sago palm really have long time, forever, been on the list of the worst toxic offenders to dogs. So it must have been horrific for this man. He said that his dog, Zeta, was salivating, bloated, her eyes turned yellow, and then he, of course, immediately took her to the vet, but she passed away two days later. Now, Zeta was not the only dog this has happened to. More than 14,000 dogs have been poisoned by sago palms, and 34 dogs have died after eating parts from them during just the past 10 years. That according to the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Now, of course, these poisonous palms are, are found everywhere, especially, you know, in the warmer places, and yards, front yards, backyards, stores, nurseries, they sell them. But the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission, did you know this, does not require warning labels on plants. And sago palms, by the way, are not the only plants that pet parents should be worried about. Here are some of the other very poisonous plants. If your dog ingests them, you need to get them to a vet immediately. Foxglove or digitalis. Tulips, would you believe? Azaleas, which is a, a bush, a little shrub. Oleanders, very popular out west. Daffodils, which are grown all over the place. They're a bulb. And then the house plants, Diefenbachia, Cyclamen, and Amaryllis. Amaryllis can be grown outside in warmer areas, but any of those plants can do great harm to your dog. 
There are new ways that, uh, you know, pet products come on the market. And for one reason or another, some of them just really stand out and catch our eye. And they're so fascinating for some reason that we just want to share them with you. Like the poop transporter from Hank's Dog Stuff. It's pretty much a a no-touch-anything-that-has-touched-poop-before device. You got that? Uh The transporter springs open with just the touch of a toggle, which allows you to drop in poop bags. Now, after your walk, when you've collected your piles, all you do is push the toggle and the transporter opens, dumping the waste in a trash can. Now, I've seen this, and I have to tell you, if you have a Dyson vacuum cleaner, it's kind of like that. You know how you take the canister off the middle part, you you know, pull open that little toggle thing, mm-hmm. and the bottom just opens and everything dumps out. Same kind of thing. The cool thing, another cool thing, is that the transporter is made of odor-resistant ripstop nylon and is available in 10 colors, my friends. So if you, the color of your poop picker-upper is really important to you, they've probably got you covered on this. It's also washable, attaches to any leash handle, and has a pocket that holds standard size rolls of poop pickup bags. Now, apparently, kids don't say, when I grow up, I want to be a pet sitter. Now, how do we know that? Well, Pet Sitters International, or PSI for short, has conducted a survey of its professional pet sitters. And that survey found only 3% of its members pursued pet sitting as a first career choice immediately following high school or college. Now, while 40% of its members, they say, decided to start a professional pet sitting business after they retired or were laid off, but most of the group's members... 58% of them actually chose to leave another career in order to open their own professional pet-sitting business, likely after getting fed up at the office about something. I can picture that happening. Really, can't you? Well, isn't that what Judy, well, Judy did that? She, she yeah. got sick and tired and fed up with everything going on here at Animal Radio. Yep. So I'm doing pet sitting. So Gets doing, me out of here. She's doing both now. She, it's actually pretty <laughs> profitable for you, isn't it? It's very profitable. I, I was amazed. You know, yeah. I think if you're good at it, then it would be very profitable. I'm because surprised. Because word of mouth, you know, we're so passionate about our pets. You'd be surprised. I have about six, seven clients that are regulars that I have their keys. They call me up anytime they need me, and I already have houses, keys to their houses. Plus, you have some, like, crazy jobs, too, like what one where you have to drive a dog around. Is that correct? Yeah. Just take it for a drive. <laughs> I drive it around. And catching chickens and all kinds. Boy, catching you should write chickens. a book. I'm yeah, I've you. had to try to catch a backyard chicken. And, uh, yeah. What is wrong with this? I had to take Roro for a ride in the car today to get him out of the backyard. Yeah. yeah. And we do this, right? Yep, yep. Yes, we do. We love those animals. <laughs> yeah. The craziness is everywhere, though, truthfully. Chances are you've had your fill of the upcoming presidential election and its candidates. Or maybe you can't get enough of your own candidate, but you can't stand the other. For whatever reason, though, this might be fun for you and your pet. We're talking about the Presidential Parody Pet Toys by Fuzu. All of the toys are available in sizes both for dogs or cats. The Donald toy sports a golden tan and quashed uh, plush hair. It's, you know, fake fur. Just like the Donald. (laughs) I I did not say that. No, I I said that. (laughs) 
And also, if you can't get enough of that, BarkShop.com also has some political toys. A Donald pet toy, which is called the Dognold. But you will never hear the Dognold squeak, because Donald would say squeaking is for wimps. So when chewed, the Dognold toy grunts. <laughs> They're 16 bucks each. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to have, have my dog chewing on that, yeah. the, the Donald Trump. To give a toy like that, you know, a housewarming gift for somebody in, you know, October, November when we're getting really close to the election and you've, you've got a rivalry going with a friend of yours or something, it would be fun. So I'm going to buy a lot of one of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, Valerie. How are you doing? We have two pups, Olive and Louie, and actually they're with us now. We're on a road trip, 16 hours, heading to the Midwest. Wow. And we have issues with the, uh, especially the, the male pug, which is their anal gland. And we've tried putting bran flakes and corn flakes in their food, um, and that did not work. And additionally, we drained his glands uh, 24 hours before we left. And shortly into our trip, uh, we had issues again with his anal glands. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations. Okay. What a pleasant topic here. Anal glands. <laughs> Anal glands and cor- cornflakes go together. <laughs> so when you're, say- when you're saying they're having problems with their glands, what are they doing? Are they having uh, infections? Or are they scooting? What type of issues? No. Uh, he, he doesn't even know that it's happening, but he leaks. And it's, uh, oh. it's just, it, it smells. And it makes it, oh, um, yeah. for the- and when you have it in the car, we can instantly smell it. So we are traveling now with towels on our lap. Um, oh. And I was just wondering, you know, what is it more than we can do? Because within 24 hours, um, I don't know if they fill back up again. And mm. I don't know how fast they fill back up. Uh-huh. Uh, well, you, you're dealing with pugs. And pugs and anal glands are huge problems. There are certain breeds where we do see more issues with anal glands. Not necessarily always infections, but just a lot of buildup. And pugs beagles basset hounds those tend to be on my top list of the top three that you know we really see a lot of frequent anal gland emptying and that's one thing that i would start as part of the treatment for a pet that has a problem with a lot of buildup is to express those sometimes even monthly and when they're expressed i'm definitely all for having them done with a a veterinarian or someone who feels comfortable doing the full rectal exam and emptying those glands out because it's very easy to leave some behind if we're just doing the external kind of squeeze on those glands um, but you know there's some there's some situations where beyond just this normal buildup that and you mentioned fiber and fiber for some people we believe maybe helps and to keep the stool bulk up so that these glands get emptied as they're poo-pooing and um, you know I don't know that it's necessarily scientifically proven but everyone likes to try it and add in things like metamucil or extra sources of dietary fiber um, you know some dogs actually can have some allergies like food allergies which can contribute to anal sacculitis which is the inf- infle- infection or inflammation if I can get my L's out there um, of that of those glands so uh, sometimes I will actually put a pet on a hypoallergenic diet and that can help remedy some of the frequency of problems with those glands and then you know I guess the other thing is that if you've tried a lot of those remedies and you've gone down that road and you're expressing these glands and they're leaking no matter what you're doing um, there is a surgery to remove those it would be 
probably my last choice unless you know we really had a uh, a proven problem that we can't correct with any other means but for some dogs especially those just those leakers um, it may be something you really want to talk to your vet about Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Valerie. We wish you the best of luck with your travels across the country. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Welcome to The Mess. Here's today's great dog story. You're going to love this. Olivia Sievers is a flight attendant that flies a lot from Germany to Argentina. She spotted a stray dog outside of her hotel in Buenos Aires. She was drawn to him, spent a couple of minutes, and then thought nothing about it. But every time she came into town, the dog appeared to be waiting for her and would follow her around wherever she went. Looks like this dog knew who he wanted. Anyway, she arranged for him to be taken to a shelter and adopted. Some folks did adopt him, but the dog escaped the home and went back to the hotel. So Olivia decided she would adopt the dog and take him back home. You know, some dogs and people are just magical. This is Animal Radio, baby. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. 877-247-1584. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. But first, we're going to visit with Shannon Kopp. She has written a book called Pound for Pound. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, of course. Now, you had a bulimia problem, is that correct? Yes, for about eight years. Explain to listeners what that is. Um, Well, I started struggling with an eating disorder at age 16. Addiction and eating disorders run in my family, and my father's alcoholism kind of took a toll for the worst, and I began turning to controlling my food and and my weight as a means to try to manage my anxiety and, and sadness. And it progressed over the years to the point where I was throwing up about 20 times a night. Wow. The bulimia mm-hmm. involves in taking a lot of food and then using some kind of compensatory behavior like over-exercising or vomiting or laxatives to get rid of the calories. Dare I say that the animals, a dog in particular, helped you recover? Completely. I had tried everything I knew. I had done therapy, medication. I'd went to a rehab center in the middle of the desert. I read every book I could get my hands on, and I just 
simply I knew in my mind what to do. I could have written a book on how to recover from an eating disorder, <laughs> but, you know, I just couldn't do it. And my life really didn't change until I got a job working at the San Diego Humane Society. And I found very quickly that the one thing I could do when I felt overwhelmed, when I felt like I needed to eat a box of cupcakes, was go into a dog kennel and sit. And I would usually sit with a big dog, a shepherd or a pit bull or a lab, and they would, you know, just be so excited to see me. They'd sit on my lap, and they would, they would hold me down. They would center me. They would, I would hold on to them physically until I felt the urge pass. And that love and non-judgment, I could say things to them that I could never even say alone in a room or to a therapist. But with the animals, somehow I just I felt so much more free than I'd ever been. Were there any dogs in particular that made a big difference? Oh, yes. There was one um, named Sunny who's actually on my book cover, and she was a 10-month-old pit bull I found in the very back corner of a Los Angeles shelter. She was completely emaciated, and it looked like someone had taken a hammer to her tail. It was broken in four places. And every day she would put her nose through the bars, and she just stood there. No matter how hot it was in the L.A. summer heat, she just stood at the front of the bars and you know, when I first met her, I just thought, you know, that's so different from how I was when I was in pain or when I was suffering. I hid, you know, I hid in the food, I hid in the eating disorder, but here's this dog just saying, please help me, being so vulnerable. And so I got to know her, and what was incredible is this was a very run-down shelter, so the dogs had nothing but a water bowl, and that's it. They didn't have toys, they didn't have bedding, they had nothing. And Sunny had obviously been traumatized, obviously very abused early in life. And, you know, most dogs behaved like I would behave in, in a kennel like that. They deteriorated mentally and physically. They, you know, they were separated from all the things that make them feel alive and like a dog, from smells, from human interaction, from walks, from grass, you know. And, and so most of the dogs, understandably, would start to deteriorate, just start to pace back and forth or stop eating. And and Sunny actually began to heal in this devastating space. She she ate for the she she wasn't eating at first, and she ate out of the palm of my hand for the first time. And then she was afraid of her reflection in her water bowl, <laughs> so she wasn't drinking. It was like she thought this scary big dog was in her way. <laughs> she would hover over the water bowl and look down and then see herself and go, oh, my God, and back away. And one day it was like 100 degrees, and I watched her just finally. She hovered over the bowl. She looked down, and I swear it was like she just made a decision. She was like, screw it. And she dunked her face in, and she drank and drank and drank and gave her body that nourishment. And, you know, I just kept watching these incredible, this just resilience, her facing her fears, her doing the hard thing. And um, Did you see yourself in her? Totally. You know, it was like when she drank for the first time, that was like when I started eating for the first time wow. and, and, and kept it down and said, you know what, I'm going to do the hard thing, the thing that makes me uncomfortable, the thing that scares me, you know, and, and that's what recovering from an eating disorder is all about. I mean, it sounds very crazy. I'm, I'm, I'll celebrate seven years free from bulimia in just a few days. And I look back and uh-huh. I say, how could I have done that to myself? But 
It's a mental disorder. It's actually the most fatal of all mental disorders, our eating disorders. And 20 million women in this country and 10 million men suffer. Of all, and we're talking all ages. Well, I think what's inspirational is how you, the, the animals help you and you help the animals. And it's, uh, there's a synergy going on there. And I got to say, you know, for you it was bulimia. But for someone else it may be a completely different disorder or disease. Right. And animals always seem to be uh, there to help. Definitely. I get emails from people struggling with PTSD or depression or grief, and they all say the same thing. You know, my story is not that unique. It's, it's animals are healing. Well, it's a wonderful story, and you've chronicled it in Pound for Pound, a story of one woman's recovery and the shelter dogs who loved her back to life. Shannon Cop is our guest. I have five copies to give away right now at one 866 405 8405. Thanks so much for having me. I love you. I love your show and, and I really appreciate being on. Well, there you go. It has flown by once again. Thank you so much for spending time with us and I hope you'll do it again next weekend right here on this great station. Don't forget to visit AnimalRadio.pet and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You'll love it. Bye-bye. Bye. Enjoy your long weekend. This is Animal, Animal. Animal. Radio Network. Network.